Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 1.36 a.m. Sunday night slash Monday morning. And let me tell you, today was hilarious. The universe had some jokes and I'm going to share them with you. Now, as you may or may not know, the way that we kind of run this church is all of us have jobs that aren't the church. We don't have any full-time employees. We're just kind of building this thing, this little dream in, you know, what a little spare time we have. And honestly, it's it's enough. You know, we're, we're able to do it. We, we want to work towards uh, employment, but for now, we're able to do a really cool job with what we're doing. So that being said, this Sunday is one of the first Sundays where we actually like really plan together what we wanted to accomplish. Usually Hannah just kind of does her thing as far as what she wants to talk about. I plan the music. A lot of times there's like a cool way they work together. That's just like a coincidence or, you know, the Lord. Um, And sometimes there's not, and that's okay. The music doesn't have to go perfectly with the message. With that being said, sometimes it's cool to plan something and have the music go really perfectly with the message. So this week we talked about Ecclesiastes. So if you're listening at home, do you know anything about the book Ecclesiastes? It's a really weird book. It's kind of like when Hannah was talking about it, I was going over this like joke in my head. It's kind of absurd that it's even in the Bible. Like, you know, in biblical times, they wrote all these letters and books and they used a lot of them for teaching. And then, you know, in like the year three or 400, some people got together and they're like, Hey, we got to like figure out which one of these books we should keep in the actual Bible. And if I was in that group, I would have probably wanted to leave out Ecclesiastes because it's not good. I mean, it's, it's great, but it's not happy. It's, it's a very sad book. The whole point of it is that everything sucks and it doesn't turn around. Like usually those sort of stories, like have a, a, a an important moment where things get better and it turns around, but Ecclesiastes never does. It's just sad and everything's meaningless. And naturally, that's what Hannah and I were really excited to talk about when we had one of our first chances to really plan a Sunday. So we talked about everything being meaningless. And I was excited. We were going to do uh, her message and then followed up by this really cool meditation where the band would accompany the meditation and then it would flow straight into a new song that we're going to introduce. Uh, I was really looking forward to it for like weeks. I'm hoping that this will be something we can do more often. We can maybe come up with our own meditations. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. The point is, we were excited and we planned ahead. And so, of course, I was a little late this morning. Some people in the band were a little late this morning. We had some technology problems and we used this thing called Planning Center that keeps like our notes and our lyrics and stuff in it. It wasn't working correctly. And then the coup de gras, I went to the back to turn on the stage lights and the board just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. Now we're not in a building that we own. We're renting from the St. Pete Opera and we love them. They're awesome. They are really cool to us. They treat us amazingly and they're the best. But (laughs) somebody must have borrowed the board or maybe it broke and they were fixing it. I don't know. So we had no stage lights this morning. We were running late 
and I found Hannah and Bree, and I was just like, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's all meaningless. Why do we even try and put effort into things? Because it's all meaningless. Let's go in and talk about Ecclesiastes. <laughs> so that's what today was about. Uh, anyway, the message was perfect. It came out awesome. The band did an amazing job. Uh, in fact, I'm going to leave in the meditation and the song in this podcast so you can hear it. And uh, after the message, wherever you are, hopefully you can take a second to just kind of reflect on what's happening. And uh, we're really proud of how this turned out. Uh, I just want to let you know, if you plan on attending Easter, uh, we are not going to be in the building. We are going to be kicked out for two weeks while they're doing some repairs. <clears throat> so Easter Sunday, we're going to be at North Straub Park. Um, we're super pumped about that. It's like an awesome location. Uh, that's gonna be really fun. And then the week after we are canceling church and instead of doing church, we're just going to hang out together at the beach. Um, so make sure you're on our mailing list, go to diff.church and you can sign up there and we would love to, you know, keep you posted on everything that we've got going on. Uh, one last thing I want to mention, shout out to Shannon who did the welcome today and the announcements. It was her first time up on stage talking to everybody. She did a really awesome job. And of course it almost doesn't matter how good of a job she did because she brought her dog up there with her, Bo and Bo is the coolest dog ever. I think Bo should deliver the sermon <laughs> way better than me. Good morning. So it's cold today which I'm for, I was just not prepared. I thought we were at the end of cold weather till like January next year. And I was not prepared to walk outside and be like, oh no, and it's gloomy and it's perfect because guess what, it's still Lent. And we're continuing that 40 day period before Easter where Lent is the space that the church dedicates every year to, to think about hard things in life. And today we get to talk about my favorite book in the Bible, Ecclesiastes. Now, have you ever heard anyone say that Ecclesiastes is their favorite book in the Bible? No. Um, if faith in God makes zero sense to you, and your reasons that you used to have for trusting God seem to have fallen off a cliff, you have a friend in the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay, so Ecclesiastes 1, 13 through 15 says, it is an unhappy business God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun, and see, all is meaningless, like chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. Yay. <laughs> so these are the words of the main speaker in the book, the one called Kohelet. Now, Kohelet is typically translated as like teacher or preacher, although I think teacher kind of hardly does justice to his very alarming point of view. Um, we're just gonna call him Kohelet. Verse one of Ecclesiastes says that these words are written by the son of David, the king in Jerusalem. So tradition holds it was written by Solomon. That's highly unlikely because it was, seems to be written much later than Solomon would have listed. Listed, lived. <laughs> and don't, just ignore my stumbling over my words, okay? Because everything is meaningless and it doesn't matter. <laughs> so Solomon, very likely it's like somebody writing in the voice of Solomon because Solomon had all the wealth. He was the richest king in Israel. He had all the prestige. He had all the power. And so someone's writing in Solomon's voice. But whoever wrote Ecclesiastes, we're just going to call them Kohelet, just like the Bible does. That person is in major faith crisis mode. 
Okay, so let me distill. There's 12 chapters in Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to distill it into one sentence for you. This is the theme. Not only can God not be trusted, but life plays out as one cruel joke after another, and then you die. God can't be counted on. Life is a cruel joke. You follow that up by dying. And that's not even the hardest part. It's God's fault that it's this way. So now you can see why maybe most people do not say Ecclesiastes is their favorite book. <laughs> um, it's pretty lovely. Basically, he's saying our lives down here under the sun, you hear this many, many times in the book, under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. All of our activities under the sun. Our lives down here are full of unhappy business. Our day-to-day -day deeds get us nowhere just like chasing the wind. And he's accusing God of actually setting up the world like this. And what's worse, we cannot do anything about it. The way the world is set up is crooked, and it can't be made straight. The world is lacking, and how much it lacks can't even be counted. It's so lacking that you can't even measure. So for Kohala, all signs to him indicate that God has orchestrated this absurd existence for humans, and it's futile, just like the endless cycles of nature. And these are some examples he gives. Just like the sun, it rises and it sets every day, day in, day out, endlessly, no progress is made. The wind blows this way and that, just around and around, never-ending, meaningless, tedious cycle. The streams never stop flowing into the sea, but the sea is never full. So much effort makes no difference. And just like nature, humans run around in circles, working hard day in and day out, and ultimately have nothing to show for it, because in the end, we all die. <laughs> Dying is the ultimate offense. So death neutralizes all of our efforts. We could spend our entire lives accomplishing great things, making truckloads of money, I hope. <laughs> uh, I haven't made a truckload of money, but maybe someday, right? We own property, we gather wealth, we accumulate things, we have relationships, and none of, we can't take it with us. No matter what we've accomplished, we all die. And then we're forgotten, as if we never existed. Just like we have forgotten everyone who has lived and died before us. Chapter 1, verse 11 says, The people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after them. Buzzkill this guy. <laughs> but he has a point, right? Think in just the last century, the last hundred years of human existence, the mass of people that have existed, and we don't know who 99.99999% of them are. Like even the people we do know, like, I don't know, Princess Diana or Michael Jackson or like Anthony Bourdain, like big names who have died. We don't think about them every day. If we do think about them, it's because something reminds us and then they pass in and out of our minds just as quickly as we can keep scrolling. We go on living for all practical purposes as if these people never existed. Our descendants will not think of us just like we don't think of our ancestors. I don't have any living grandparents and I love them and I miss them, but I don't think of them every day. It's not an everyday thing that I think about my grandparents not being here. I don't even know the names of my great-great-grandparents. And I imagine the same is true for you, unless you've done one of those family trees or like your Ancestry.com history. And yet we're here because of them, but we don't think about them. It's kind of depressing, right? We're so busy hyperventilating on the hamster wheel of life 
that we don't have time or space to keep the dead active in our minds. And we don't have time or space to ponder our own mortality, unless, of course, you know, something happens and we have like an existential crisis and freak out for a minute, and then we're like, okay. And then we just keep going. Life is just one hurried distraction to find meaning, which is great, but then in the end, you know, you're gonna die anyways and be forgotten. And don't you dare try to tell Kohelet, don't worry, all of this may be true, but after you die, we go to heaven. And then everything will be okay and all will make sense. And this is how he responds to this notion. Now remember, Kohelet doesn't have a traditional idea of heaven like Christians do because he existed a very long time ago. Um, Jew, Jewish theology doesn't typically have a very delineated heaven-hell kind of theology. So we can't put that category on him. But just to say after death, everything will make sense and everything will be resolved, he rejects this notion entirely. He says in chapter three, the fate of humans and the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath and humans have no advantage over the animals because everything is meaningless. All go to one place, all are from the dust and from the dust they will return. Who knows? whether the human spirit goes upward and the spirit of animals goes downward towards the earth. <laughs> Kohelet looks life square in the eye and refuses to play the game that we all get involved in at some point, the religion game, where we just say, well, everything's gonna be fine. Everything works out and God makes sense. And I think that that is why I love Ecclesiastes so much, because he's so honest, he's painfully shockingly honest. Like if this guy came up and preached a sermon, you would just be like, hmm, thanks. I guess I'll go be depressed for the rest of the week. <laughs> He's saying it how he feels about how the world is set up. And in his saying it, sometimes we can recognize that that's how we feel, at least sometimes. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is Ecclesiastes 1.18 which says, the greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. Now, as a person who has studied theology for 10 plus years in an academic setting, this verse like speaks to my soul. Oh yes, to increase my wisdom, bad idea. I don't need to keep studying. <laughs> the more I know, the more I find I know nothing. And I think this comes with age as well. But like many of my classmates in my undergraduate degree, they went on, they graduated, and they immediately went into the ministry. They were like associate pastors, kids pastors, youth pastors, music pastors. They just went straight there. I did not follow that path for a few reasons. One of which is there's not a lot of positions for women. And if there are, they're kids pastors, which is, I mean, I like kids, but that sounds like a nightmare to me. <laughs> I am not equipped <laughs> to handle like a lock-in. No, <laughs> please no, I cannot do that. And that's one reason, there weren't a lot of positions, but also like, I just felt like I didn't have a handle on it. I looked at the span of human emotion and I was like, mm, I don't think I'm ready for that. So I just kept studying, continued my academic studies. And I started working in a church when I was like 28. You would think I'd have been so much more prepared, right? No. In fact, I feel like I was less prepared. After the first really difficult conversation I had with someone who was like just really struggling in life, I was like, dang, I should have gone into the ministry right after college when I still thought I knew everything. Because now, 
now I know how much I don't know. I've had a little life experience and I can understand how little things matter. Now I know that I can listen and pray and give good advice and like do my absolute best to present a good reading of scripture and like have well-researched positions and like connect with people and do all of that and still I can't fix anyone's problems. I can't make people make better choices. I can't make people see the value of belonging to a faith community and like investing in a faith community. I, can't, I don't have the ability to do that. I remember talking to one of my professors one time and I essentially was like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Study stuff, like it's a lot. And he just looked at me quietly and with so much grace and was like, the Lord has called you to this pain. <laughs> and that's all he said. Not like, I just want to encourage you, let me pray. No, the Lord has called you to this pain. And then just left. And I was like, okay, great, thank you. <laughs> well, I don't feel any better at all. And I think I'm drawn to the honesty. I'm drawn to Kohelet's cynical view of the universe. And beyond that, I'm drawn to the fact that these words are actually preserved in our Bible in our sacred text, for thousands of years, they have been preserved as an integral part of faith that we tend to skip over. Like just the fact that Ecclesiastes exists in the Bible flies in the face of shallow theology that says God's purpose for you is for you to be happy. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not suggesting that we just wholeheartedly dive in with Kohelet and live lives of utter despair. Okay, I'm not telling you go forth and be sad about everything until the end of time. But I am suggesting that maybe we focus and we pay attention to what the book is saying through Kohelet's despair, which is where the book ends. He has 12 chapters of unrelenting lament. There's no break. Even the parts where he's like, you might as well eat and drink and be merry is not because he's like eating and drinking and be marrying is great. No, he's like, you might as well eat and drink and be merry because you're going to die soon. So you might as well get your party on because everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Just run around like a circle, chasing your tail. There's no point. So you might as well go find some endorphins while you're at it. <laughs> go get a hit of dopamine. And like 12 chapters, he lays out his complaints. No resolution. Just ends. The end. <laughs> I hate everything. Good day. <laughs> I said good day. <laughs> and then he just rests his case, and the narrator's voice takes over. So the narrator has just a couple verses at the beginning and a couple verses at the end, and the narrator introduces him at the beginning. And actually, one of my favorite parts of the book is the narrator at the end doesn't reprimand Kohelet for his lack of faith. He doesn't come in and try to make it all fit together. He doesn't come in and say, let's... let's theologize and get God off the hook for this accusation that it's God's fault that it's the world is this way. He just leaves it there. In fact, the narrator says, despite Kohelet's total Eeyore vibe, that he is wise and a teacher of knowledge. Chapter 12, verse 9 says, not only was the teacher wise, but he imparted knowledge to the people. He searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. His words are not brushed aside. 
with a sigh of relief by the narrator. The narrator is saying these words are worth hearing, even though they are painful to hear. Of course the words hurt. Of course they hit us in a place where we're like, we don't want to think about that. We don't want to think about everything being meaningless, all the worries that I have, all the things that I stressed out about this week, this year, my whole life. Of course those words hurt. They're supposed to. But the narrator continues. He says, even though Kohelet's words are wise, we are not to live in that space perpetually, brooding about life and just rehashing all of its faults over and over and over and over. The narrator concludes by saying, of making books, there is no end. Much study wearies the body. Amen. Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion. Fear God and keep God's commandments, for this is the whole duty of everyone. Now the narrator is not telling his audience to stop reading books. Okay. He means that obsessing about everything that is wrong in life and trying to work everything out and find meaning in every situation all the time will just emotionally and spiritually exhaust you. And so simply, stop it. That's essentially what the narrator says. Here's the case. He presented it. It's wise. It's true. Oftentimes true. Stop it. I feel like there was a TV commercial a while ago, maybe years ago, and it was a guy freaking out about something. Or maybe it was multiple people freaking out. And the, the counselor should not have been a counselor because his answer to everybody was just stop it. He'd be like, I have this problem and I'm getting divorced and I don't know, and my kids are crazy. And, and the guy would just be like, just stop it. <laughs> and the next person would come and be like, my job is terrible and I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have enough money and everything's awful and just stop it. <laughs> That's essentially what the narrator is saying. Stop it. No more words. Nothing more needs to be said. What remains is not actually a plunge off a cliff of despair, but the opposite. Fear God and keep God's commandments. And I don't mean fear as in be afraid of God. That's not what that word means here. It means revere and respect. The book of Ecclesiastes does not mask reality, but then this is important. Neither does that reality have the final word. Keep being faithful anyway. Continue revering and respecting God anyway. Continue having faith anyway. Faith is the mark of a new humanity, the mark of redeemed people, the mark of people who are getting, becoming whole. Nothing changes that. Even when we have moments where everything seems futile and senseless, even when life seems absurd and death waits for us at the end, keep living anyway. And I don't say that lightly. It's hard to keep trusting God when you see no reason to. But that is the profound paradox of faith in the book of Ecclesiastes. No matter how deep distrust and disillusionment may be, keep trusting God anyway. And when we reach the point where things make no sense, and when our thinking about God and life and the world, they no longer seem to line up in the perfectly crafted pieces that perhaps they did when we were kids, or perhaps they did when we had felt like we had solid answers to all of our theological questions, 
when we had clear lines about how, who, who was in and who was out and what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. When our sense of certainty is gone, when we can find no reason to trust God, but then we still do, that is what faith looks like. That's what trust looks like at its brightest when everything else is dark. Jesus came to be the light of the world and the light shines in the darkness. And you may notice there's not a lot of light in here today. We didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> the universe was just like, hey, we're going to take the soundboard out today. <laughs> not the soundboard, the light board. We're going to take this, the light board out. Hope you can find some lamps. <laughs> Which is a perfect thing for today because everything is meaningless. And who cares about light anyways? But we can notice when it's dark. When, we, when all the lights are on, it's easy to trust. When we can see everything, it's easy to trust. But when the lights are off, we have to trust anyway. When you can only see as far as your headlights, it can be difficult, but you can make the whole trip that way. We drive in the dark and none of us are like, I don't think I'm gonna get to my destination because I can only see for 40 feet. We may be able to only see as far as our headlights, but we can make the whole trip that way. The book of Ecclesiastes is not a drawn out and sorry tale of weak faith and poor thinking that truly faithful people need to avoid. It's an honest reflection of what true people of true faith experience sometimes. But if we stay around for the end, we get to discover some of the most encouraging words to me in the entire Bible. Face it head on with complete transparency and unflinching honesty without making excuses for yourself or making excuses for God. Just face it and then trust God anyway. And we're doing something really special today. We have a meditation, so the band can come on back up. Um, the meditation is based on a video by the liturgists, which they have a podcast, highly recommend. Um, they have a meditation based on Ecclesiastes that is honest and raw and hopeful, and I have listened to it probably six times this week. Once every day and twice yesterday. <laughs> We journey through the season of Lent, and we're so bent on getting to Easter. We're so bent on getting to the light at the end of the tunnel. But sometimes we skip over the process of actually experiencing what darkness is like. And we all know what darkness is like. So I just ask you to focus on this meditation. Um, Guiana's going to read, and the band is going to play, and it's going to be... For me, it was cleansing. It's centering. Give yourself the space to just listen to the words and release that buildup of tension between your shoulders. Just put them down. Meditation is this space where we intentionally focus our mind outward toward the infinite. But in doing that, it enables us to ground ourselves and ground our souls 
in the infinite that's inside of us. And then after the meditation, there is a song called Vapor, because everything is a vapor. And I just am so excited about this. <laughs> so I'm gonna let Guiana take it away, and then I'll come back and give you a benediction.
your cells are working together to keep you alive. And it's all magical, mysterious, and beautiful. Life on planet Earth is a gift. And you only get it for as long as you get it. And then the match gets blown out.
emotion 